Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. starting quarterback is is Benny Snell playing himself more into that role is he playing himself into a hey I cannot be a feature back but I can kind of split the carries with James Conner and you know I can kind of be that other between the tackle hand the ball off back when the quarterback's under center and then when Jalen Samuels comes back you can kind of work him into the rotation through the passing game yeah and I think I think that's going to be the plan I think that has to be the plan you know I think I think Benny um really I mean he gave himself you know, uh, I think his what he did on Sunday really set up well for him. I think he could be the next, you know, the next guy that you know can spell Connor. And and, and I, I agree with you. And once Samuels comes back, then you have your pass catcher. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. And and I think I think Benny, just based on that game on Sunday, he really put himself in a good spot. And I think the Steelers need an extra guy because. You know, I don't want to toot my own horn, Tom, but you know, toot I it. was I was the first one to say, why not do this running back by committee? Why not? It, obviously, Connor hasn't been the guy that we thought he would be to start the year. I mean, he's he's played you know some decent games. Don't get me wrong, but it's always nice to have another compliment there. It's always nice to have another guy. You know, hey, if I'm not really, you know, I'm not getting things done as much. You know, let's give it to let's give it to Benny. Let's see what Benny has. And and I think I think Benny showed what he had on Sunday night. And in their recent history, you know, the Steelers, they've really shied away, and Mike Tomlin have shied away from that running back by committee approach. You, you have Le'Veon Bell, and he gets almost every single carry, almost every single game. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt walked off the field, for God's sakes, because he was upset with how many carries that Le'Veon Bell was getting, as right. opposed to him getting in right. for 10 touches in the game. So really didn't like that approach in the Le'Veon Bell era. And mm-hmm. then even last year with James Conner, you know, when he was healthy, he got – a lot of the carries. It right. Was, it was his show. He would get tw- north of 25 carries I- in games. And it's just a style that the Steelers have never really been comfortable with, at least in their most recent history. Right. But I think you're exactly right. Like, these are dire circumstances now Absolutely. with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So right. You need to kind of adapt in every yep. aspect of the game. I mean, you adapted against the Chargers yep. to win with a fourth string. <laughs> 
undrafted rookie free agent from Sanford. Right. So now it's time to also adapt to help Mason Rudolph and help make this offense as easy to manage moving forward. And a running back by committee, I think, is just the way to go because on top of all of what I just said, no one's really gone out and shown you that they can be a feature back. Right, right. And and that's, again, why in the beginning of all this, I said on our Saturday show that maybe this running back by committee thing is something that the Steelers should do. And, and they've never they've never done it. I mean, obviously, you, you mentioned that. You know, you, you never have really seen the Steelers approach a running the only the last time that you saw it really was when Jerome Bettis and Willie Parker were here. Right. You know, obviously there was the power guy and, and the bus, and, and Willie was the fast guy, and obviously the, and the even roles Willie changed. Parker was the main guy. Right, oh, he was the main guy, but right. there was always Bussy right. that they could give the ball to at the goal line if they were in a pinch on, on third and one, and it's funny. You know, Benny Snell, we all kind of hoped in the beginning uh, when the Steelers drafted him that he would be the number two. He would be Connor's backup, and then you could use Samuels in different situations, get him the ball in the passing game, whatever it might be. Or just forget about it. Or honestly. just forget. You could do that, too. I mean, if Benny, you know, turns into his own, and then James maybe. Connor's doing what he's doing out right. of backfield in the passing game. Right. Then, then maybe you could get something for a guy like Samuels. There's a lot of teams out there that could use a guy like him. I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but I'm just, there's teams that could use a, a a guy like right. him and for sure. It's a little. It would I would say it would be a little far fetched to say, oh yeah, you could get a guy in the trade market. But the trade market in the NFL these days is turning into somewhat of the wild, wild west. Yeah, it's out there. wild. It's crazy. It, the, with we talked about that yesterday. All the trades, everything that's been going on. It's you don't normally see this in the NFL right. with trades, but you know with the way it's going, I mean, hey, you might get something for for Jalen. But uh, you know, I digress. We'll. we'll I just think that it's funny how in the beginning of the year we never would have thought that Benny Snell, like when the year progressed, they're like, ah, maybe Snell won't be the number two. It's taken seven weeks, but Snell all of a sudden is the number two, and I think he will be even when Samuels comes back. He's definitely going to get the shot against the Dolphins because yeah. Samuels is progressing nicely back from his injury, but it seems like the word from Steelers camp is he's going to miss the Dolphins game, yep. and he's eyeing his return against the Colts the week right. after. So that's another opportunity for Benny Snell to get sure. out there. Probably split the carries with James Conner, I'd imagine. You know, he got 17 carries against the Chargers. Right. Conner got 16 carries. Probably another 17, 16, you know, split right down the middle. You're mm -hmm. trying to get your backs 30 carries a game. So just divide the workload nicely there. Right. And it's a it's a show me what you got. Right. Go out there and do it again. And, yes, it's a very weak opponent, so you shouldn't have any trouble. Right you know, running against the Miami Dolphins defense. If he goes out there and, and shows out, then are you comfortable with a three-man rotation at the running back position? Because I think based on how poorly the receivers have been playing and not necessarily all on the receivers. It's not. But that combined with, you know, young quarterback play, why not keep right. adding to the committee? Because right. the running backs are getting the job done more than any unit on the team. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And obviously, on the offensive side. Right, 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 right. We, we talked about that yesterday. I mean, Connor's the leading receiver on the team. Right. Granted, he only has one more catch than Juju does. But it's, it, as we said yesterday, it's a little bit of a, of a red flag that, that your running backs are, are leading the, the receiving game. And then I think Samuels has like 17 catches or something like that. So those guys are really – I mean, now, what, Benny only has one, but that's obviously going to grow now that he's going to be the number two. But it is concerning, and, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think the, the wide receivers in general just have to step up. Now, granted, as you said, it's not really all on them. There's a lot of things that have gone into that, you know, the quarterback and, and the qu quarterback play. You're playing with a third-string guy last week. But it's time for them to step up. It's time for this team 
to make an effort to make that offense a lot better. And I think now that Rudolph's back, you can really try to do that. You can really, you know, try to find some matchups and exploit them here on out because let's face it, you're not you're not going to continue to win games when your number one wide receiver has one catch for seven yards. You're just not. I mean, I don't care how good the defense is in this day and age in the NFL. It's just not going to happen. Right. You need a nice, a healthy mix of dumping the ball off to running backs, sure. keeping things really short and simple, and then you kind of catch the other team by surprise when you take, take them deep for a 20-yard route. Right. And the th- with Hodges, he ran the short stuff very effectively. He dumped the ball off to Connor a lot, and he controlled that game and helped the Steelers get a win. Yeah. But the one thing that you saw, and it was like the first drive of the game that you didn't like, was the pass to Juju when he absolutely torched Hayward on the mm-hmm. outside. And the ball was just thrown at his feet. He, yeah. couldn't, he couldn't adjust on it. He couldn't make the play. Right. Uh, maybe a number one wide receiver makes that catch, but it's still a tough task, and it should have been a much better thrown ball. I think with Mason Rudolph now, you can do all that short stuff, that same stuff that Devlin Hodges was doing, but then you can also hit Juju on those mm-hmm. routes, which is, is huge in the NFL because, like you said, you might, for a first half of a game, get away with dumping it off to Connor, right. maybe getting out to an early lead, but once they go into the locker room, the other team's going to make second-half adjustments, Absolutely. and they're going to say they're not going to throw the ball down the field. So you, you have to be willing to at least keep that in the back of their head. Sure. Because if you only present – a defense with stopping the run and then short passes, eventually they're going to – it's the NFL. Right. Line, linebackers are fast. Oh, they're yeah. going to shut it down. Absolutely. And, and, you know, granted, you know, we talked about this yesterday too. I think against the Chargers, the Devlin Hodges and company just took what the defense gave them. Right. Okay, Connor's open for five. I'm going to dump it. Connor, you go make a play. If you turn it into more than five, that's great. But pretty much every time Connor got the ball in his hands, it was a five-yard gain in the receiving game or, or more. So – but it was weird. The Chargers really never made an adjustment. They just kept letting Connor kill them in the passing game or whoever the receiver, you know, the short underneath stuff. It killed them. And I think with Rudolph coming back, not only will that still be there, the underneath stuff, which Rudolph really hasn't shown a deep ball yet this year, at least consistently. You know, he hasn't really chucked he one. He hit Deontay Johnson on the one. Right, but consistently, right. you know, and that was a blown coverage too. That exactly. was a pretty simple throw. Really wasn't all schemed up. It, it was, was a really pump fake. All, it was really all juju when he, you go back and right, look at it. He took right. hit all, like three guys across the field with him. And then Deontay was wide, wide open, open for the touchdown. So it wasn't all that challenging of a throw, but that's the type of thing that this team needs to consistently get. They need to allow juju – um, they need to get Juju going. That way he allots more attention from the defense. And then a guy like Deontay, who who, who we said yesterday, has been a, a huge surprise. I mean, and he has to be, too. If he hasn't, if he didn't play as well as he has this year, they would be dead in the water. And then once you make the defense respect the receiver some, oh, just dump that ball off to the running backs, baby. Hit yeah. tight ends on tight end screens. Yeah. Just keep it so short and simple because – this is where that offense has shown its best self mm-hmm. all year long is when you swing a ball out to James Conner and then it's almost like a cannonball going down right. the field and people are bouncing off of him because linebackers and defensive backs aren't as big as James Conner. Right. Linebackers are, but defensive backs aren't as big as James Conner and he can bounce off of linebackers as opposed to when he's been running in between the tackles and the, the meat up mm-hmm. front has really slowed him down all year long. He hasn't been able to get to the second level in a, in a traditional between the tackles run. So... You have to give them that respect or make them respect yeah. the receivers. And then, again, I just want to keep saying I think Hodges showed the blueprint of how this offense should be moving forward, even with Mason. Is yeah. Because Mason makes you respect those guys on the outside, but just keep pounding away with these short dump-offs because it's it's been working. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, everyone wants to kind of poo-poo on it and be like, oh, well, 
he's not throwing the ball downfield. He doesn't have to necessarily. I, 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 I just advocated for the deep ball. But if that other stuff's working, that's only going to open up the deep ball later in the game or later in the year, whatever it might be. I think the Steelers have done a good job of realizing that, hey, we have a backup that, and we talked about this yesterday, he's a guy that is, isn't willing to really take chances. He, he, and that's, that's a plus, I think, for Mason Rudolph. He doesn't force the ball, although he really had started coming into his own before the, the injury and right. the concussion. He really started finding his way and forcing his, the ball into some windows, into some tight windows. Well, the, inj- the play he got injured on was the ball downfield. Right. James Washington. Right. It was a great play. So I'm, I, I think, as you said, if you keep hitting on the short stuff, the deep stuff's going to come. And I think the offense is just going to keep getting better but I think a big caveat to that, as we talked about, is the running backs. I think if they continue to pound away in not only the running game but the passing game as well, I mean, that's going to make it easier for Mason uh, or whoever's playing quarterback, really. I mean, Devlin Hodges threw the ball 20 times and, you know, only made one mistake, and that's because those short intermediate routes made it easy on him. And, you know, I, I again, I there's a lot of people that – think that that Mason might not have it like the deep ball stuff but he doesn't necessarily need it so far they really haven't and and Mason's really played well over the last four games or three games however many he started now as we said yesterday that touchdown interception ratio seven to two that's pretty darn good and you mentioned earlier that they need to feed Juju just to you know put his him in the defense's mind and you really started to see that against the Chargers in the first half. I mean, the first couple drives, the first drive in general, the first two passes were to Juju yep. Smith-Schuster. So, with Rudolph in, they're trying to get him open. Or they're trying to Excuse me, not against the Chargers, against the Ravens. Yeah. It was a bunch of passes to yeah. Juju early on, and they're trying to get him going right. in the passing game, which is, which is exactly what you need sure. to do, especially for a guy who's supposed to be your number one receiver, hasn't been having the greatest year statistics-wise. Right. Get his confidence yeah. up, too, and you need to form that connection between Mason Rudolph, who's going to be your starting quarterback right. for the rest of the season, and your number one wide receiver. So against Miami, look for Juju early on and yeah. look for him often, especially maybe on that first drive. I wouldn't be surprised if they scheme a couple plays specifically designed to go to Juju right. just, to, just to get that connection going again. Yeah, even a jet sweep or something like that just to get, get him going ball, earlier. Him yeah, plays. right, and I think this is a good game for the entire team. I think this is a, a – you know, you get the bye, and then you play a team that's one of the worst in football. And that's going to get everybody going. That's going to get the legs back underneath right. some guys. It's it's an opportunity for Juju and that receiving core to really have a nice day and say, all right, we can do this consistently, albeit against a bad team. But, you know, you do it once and you do it at this level, you feel like you can do it against anybody, regardless if you're playing Miami or you're playing New England. If you do it consistently and you show, okay, we can do this, that makes it easier. That gives you a heck of a lot more confidence moving forward. Another place he can look for easier, an easier go of it when he's playing against the Dolphins is his tight ends. Right. And Vance McDonald and Nick Vanette were clones of each other against the Chargers. They each had one catch. They each had five yards, and they each roamed and targeted one time. Right. And they did a great job in the blocking game. Because Absolutely, that's right. what the Steelers did. Yeah, that was the game plan. They, but – Moving forward with Mason Rudolph, a tight end can be a young quarterback's best friend. Absolutely. And Vance McDonald showed that early on with yeah. the Seahawks game Two in the second half. Right. Yeah. Got it hurt, though. So right, right. That hurt on the air, but he's back now. Yeah. And I really like what I've seen from Vanette in a short sample size. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you've got a nice – you don't have a one-two punch at tight end, but you've got a nice one and two yeah. where the depth was nowhere to be found at the beginning of the year. Right. So I'm interested to see now – you know, you get a full week, of, you get a bye week, you get a full week of practice with Mason and those two and tight ends. And Vanette now. is more acclimated to right. the system. He's got a whole bye week now to right. really catch up. So I would look for a lot more short 
yeah. stuff to the tight ends in, in addition to the running backs. Definitely, forward. yeah. And I think that's going to be the big thing moving forward. I think you'll see the tight ends get a lot more involved moving forward. I, I don't see why you go out and you get a guy like Vance McDonald if, if you don't have right. plans. And right. I know they did it a couple years ago, but you don't have plans for him to be a part of the passing game because, yeah, he's good at blocking and mm-hmm. he's good in the run he's game. Great. But you that's got, not what the NFL right. is anymore. Right. You, know, you and, got to be able to pass And with a guy ball. like Vance, too, I right. mean, you know the athlete that he is. I mean, look at that game last year against Tampa Bay and what he was able to do. He he is a dynamic tight end, and he's a matchup problem. So they the Steelers have to get him more involved. Otherwise, like you said, why'd you bring him in? Right. The defense for this team has really been carrying the Steelers for all of this season, especially mm-hmm. in their two wins. When we come back, we'll get into how it might be on the offense now to help out a defense that's all of a sudden without one of its best players. Yeah. He's Callan Gersky. I'm Tom Opperman, filling in for Euler Remotes right here on Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The Steelers lost Steph to it this past week for the entire season. Torn pack. That sounds like maybe the worst injury possible, yeah. man. I can't imagine tearing your pack. I mean... And talk about possibly the worst thing to injure as a defensive right. lineman. I mean, that's how you push. That's how you right. get your, your push off the ball. Yeah. Your, your bench pressing with your pecs. I mean, right. couldn't imagine going through that injury, especially having the all-pro year that Steph to it right. was having. But this makes a defense that, you know, didn't have a lot of depth to begin with at, right. the, at the beginning of the season. It's going to be spread out even more thin now. Yeah, and I tell you what, you know, you mentioned that injury. I mean, just to put it in perspective, I'm, I'm by no means an NFL athlete. I, I, I lifted chest two days ago, and I, my chest is still on fire. My, my pecs <laughs> and my, my arms, still on fire. So I couldn't even imagine what it would feel like to tear your pec. I actually I roomed with a guy in college my freshman year. I played football at Westminster. He tore his pec, and it was one of the nastiest. Like, it was black. I mean, it was black and blue instantly. I couldn't imagine going through that pain. Like I said, I mean, I'm not an NFL athlete, but I am in pain from two days ago lifting. It's so. funny you say that because I slept on my stomach funny last <laughs> night, so <laughs> right. my, my pack hurts too, right. so we're kind of one in the same there, Kellen. But anyway, with this defense being spread out so thin, and they were already, at the beginning of the year at least, they were, were getting gassed yeah. because the offense just couldn't stay on the field. Right. Now you need that offense to really dominate the time of possession yeah. battle more. And you really only saw them definitively win that time of possession battle last week against the Chargers. And when, that was obviously the game. Right, when they had it for about 10 more minutes than the L.A. Yeah. Chargers did. And in that first half, they blew them away with time of possession. I mean, the Chargers could barely sustain drives. Right. But now it just becomes so much more imperative that the offense is winning that battle every single right. game now because you're going to be so tired on that defensive front yep. with rotating guys in to make up for to it with having yep. maybe a Denny step up right. and play a little bit out there. Have I know that we heard earlier this week that Chicolo might be working his way into the defensive line rotation yeah. to fill in for to it. You obviously have Alu Alu that's going to take yeah. a majority of those snaps because he is the back of the, the end. Key. Yeah, but him him going out takes away from your rotation of right. Hayward, where giving Hayward a blow. So you got to you got to move people around so Hayward can get a, a spell every now and again. It's just really going to make a defense that I think biggest problem was being on the field too long and getting tired late in games. Yeah. 
it's going to make it a lot harder for them to stay fresh for yeah. a full 60-minute NFL game. Right, and again, like we said yesterday, it's going to take some doing. This isn't going to be a figured-out process when they play Miami, and quite frankly, it doesn't have to necessarily be figured out against Miami. But after Miami, you do have to figure it out. You do have to say, all right, what is the best rotation? And I think, again, playing against Miami allows you maybe to mess around with some things, you know, because I don't want to look ahead and count this up as a win, but let's be completely honest here. You're playing Miami. They're terrible. You should win this game going away. It, right. I don't care if Devlin Hodges was playing quarterback. You should probably win this game going away. Like we said yesterday, it's the most for sure win that you could ever have. Right. And well, it should be. When predetermining win. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, this allows them to kind of play around and to say, all right, well, if if they, they got to find that rotation, you know, and we talked about that yesterday. You know, you mentioned Chickalow might play some, some defensive end and some line, and that screws up that linebacker rotation. But – it doesn't necessarily screw it up if you find a good balance, if you find a good rotation, you find a way to say, all right, let, how can we best utilize all these guys? You know, the, the, the sum of all parts has to equal the value of two. It. Obviously, you're not going to do it with one guy. And the, the best way to do that is to find the best rotation. And I'm no expert. I don't, I don't know what that rotation is. I don't know what it's going to look like. But they, they, I'm sure they're going to play with a couple things against Miami. You know, I'm sh we might see Chickalow play some defensive end. I think this would be the week to do it to see if you can do it at an NFL level, albeit against a bad team. But this would be the week. I think. All right, let's all bets are off. Let let's go out. Let's just try to do some stuff defensively, especially that D line. Let's try to see what works. Let's let's throw some stuff up and see what sticks on the wall. And there's no rule that. Anthony Ciccolo, if he does slot into the defensive end role, has to put his hand in the dirt. Right. No, like, he, he stand could up. stand up and go from a rush position. Sure. And you could just have Hargrave and Hayward with their, their hands down in the front. There's nothing against that. You can have Watt and Ciccolo on the same side standing up, and sure. that might be something that you'd be interested in toying with, even if you throw in an Adeni to, yeah. to fill in some, right. some, some spots for players because that's where they're comfortable getting after yeah. the passer is off that stand-up position. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them experiment with that. But again, I don't think that it's a fix that can the defense can just keep rotating no. guys in to stay fresh. It falls on that offense to control the clock to yeah. to get the running game going because you you need this defense as fresh as possible sure. because. But even before the two at injury, you really only wanted those eleven guys, right. those eleven starters on the field a majority of the time. Yeah. You didn't really trust your bench players that much, mm -hmm. uh, aside from maybe an Alu Alu yeah. and a Cam Sutton. Sure, but now it's impossible to not let those bench players in on games. Right. And you want to just keep it to Alu Alu as much as you can because right. it won't – that, like that's the best way to stop the trickle down from happening. It's so just to have him play, right? you got to keep him fresh. you got to be yeah. able to make the defense go out there and force a three and out. To go out there and mm -hmm. only let the other offense get a first down. Then when your offense gets back on the field, you need four or five first downs a drive. You need to sustain these drives. Mm -hmm. You need to at least keep that clock moving and keep that defense fresh because – they struggled all year in second half of football yeah. games because they've been out there for just so long and they've been making plays to help win this game where the offense hasn't been. Yeah. And I don't know if the offense is going to make plays to help you win a game moving forward, but it just needs to stay on the field longer. I think that's a huge key yeah. in, in helping, you know, put scotch tape on the hole <laughs> in the boat that is the Steelers defense right. because two, it's down. Right. And it, it is a big blow. And, I think that, that right there sums up why the Steelers have gone to that more underneath passing than not taking so many shots downfield because 
you know, a five-yard pass to Connor can turn into 20. It could turn into a big play. And guess what? The clock keeps rolling. You know, it, it's an extension of that running game. And I think that's a good job by Feekner and company to say, all right, if we take deep shots, you know, they haven't worked much this year. That stops the clock. And then you're faced with second down or whatever it might be. And the clock isn't rolling. Then you have to run on second down if you come out throwing on first down if, if you don't connect on the pass. So I, I think it's a good job by Feekner and company to realize, well, hey, we're trying to keep this defense – you know, off the field and keep them fresh because we need them to be as fresh as possible. So let's switch up the game plan here. Maybe, I think maybe, you know, I, I, you know, a segment ago I advocated for maybe getting the ball downfield a little bit more, but now I'm kind of thinking against that. Maybe this short underneath intermediate routes, you know, 10, 15 yard routes, that might be the way you go because it keeps that clock moving and, and it's going to build confidence for Rudolph too. these short stuff. But again, you know, the, the point we're making here is that this defense even more so now has to stay fresh and has to somehow figure out a, a way to stay fresh. And I think the offense really needs to help them in that regard because you can't do it yourself. If you're playing 70 plays a, a game on defense, well, you're going to get tired. That's, that's, just, that's just the reality of things. So the offense has to help the defense and obviously vice versa. That, that's why football is the ultimate team game, obviously. I mean, it, it, it shows right there. You know, the offense is playing to the defense's weaknesses a little bit. And the defense, you know, they, they know they have to go out and make plays from here on out because of that, uh, you know, missing to it. And with, with Rudolph at the helm, you know you have a backup. So You mentioned the game planning and the scheming of Feekner there. And the first thing that I thought of when you said that was actually Keith Butler and now how he needs to get a little more creative with this yeah, this defense right. and, and how he's going to get after the quarterback. And I'd expect to see maybe a lot more blitzes yeah. being dialed up because – you're not going to get just that pressure from three up front with Watt and right. Bud Dupree rushing from the outside. Those guys are going to get more attention. Exactly. So look for maybe Devin Bush yeah. to come right up the middle. Look for Vince Williams. When Shazier was healthy two years ago, oh, he was Vince unreal. Williams was unbelievable. Yeah. Blit, Well-timed blitzes up the middle, and like quarterbacks just got swallowed alive right. on third and longs. And I know you like Devin Bush in the passing game, but he's yeah. got the speed to really screw with a quarterback. Yes if he's getting sent on pass blitzes. But, uh, of course, if you're going to use your linebackers in that way and if you're going to drop more blitzes, you need your secondary to step up yeah. and, and really cover well because if not, you're not going to really get hurt against the Dolphins. No. But moving forward, <laughs> even a quarterback like Jacoby Brissett, he's, yeah, he he's been around up. the block yeah. a few times. He's going to see a blitz coming, and if your secondary's not – up to the task, he's going to find T.Y. Hilton wide open. Right, and I think that I think the the secondary has been a big strong point. I, I don't know if a lot of since people, Minka got here, right, for sure. right, right. I don't know if a lot of people saw that coming in, and obviously the addition of Minka helps that it out. It would have been interesting to see Minka in that Patriots game. It, it yeah. really would have been. I don't know. They they were just so overmatched oh, they, throughout yeah. that entire game. I don't know if it makes that much of a difference. But, but if he's there, maybe it makes a little difference. Right, exactly. You know, maybe maybe things are maybe that game's a little bit closer, and you have a chance to score a little bit more if he's out there. The coverage is maybe the breakdown the 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 annual breakdown in coverage against, <laughs> against the Patriots the Pats, doesn't right. happen right that Philip Dorsett touchdown maybe. pass maybe that doesn't happen right. if Minka's on the field and maybe you, you it's don't a little know bit different right right that's all hypothetical obviously and I want but it proves what you were sure. saying that the secondary has just gotten so much better <sighs> since he's been there and yes. you know yes there's always going to be breakdowns and coverages Absolutely. but I don't know if we've seen it as much as we're used we to with Steelers defense no we haven't and I want to go back to the blitzing aspect you brought up I think the defense as you said with Keith Butler needs to get a little bit more creative and I think a great point, you know, that you made is with if oh, Chicolo, you. you're welcome. If Chicolo does stand up and he's playing defensive end, and then you have T.J. Watt beside him playing linebacker, standing up, 
It is. And think about all the schemes and the twists and the stunts they can run off that. TJ goes inside a Chicklo. Uh, Chicklo has enough speed to get around a tackle. You're making me sweat right now thinking I'm serious, about it. It looks know, great. It does. On paper, it does. And I think that's one aspect that you can use. And then another one, you know, you mentioned Devin Bush has to be a little bit more of a blitzer, um, even though he's done a pretty Maybe. decent job. Maybe. But my point is, if you have uh, Williams out there and, and, and Devin Bush, everybody knows what you're going to do, pretty much. Right. right? Everyone knows Bush is going to stay in coverage. Vince is going to blitz. Well, why don't you have Vince come up on the line, and then all of a sudden, right before the ball snap, he drops back, Bush blitzes. That that gives an offensive uh, line a little bit different of a look. A you good know? disguise. You're right. I you love got, a good disguise. You got to get a little bit. Counting. You got to get a little bit more creative, and maybe you'll see some corner blitzes and stuff like that too. Albeit the I corners, was, the corners have been great. You don't want to lose them in coverage, right. but that's a different scheme. That's a different look. It's a little bit more creative. It's something that really the Steelers. They've used corner blitzes before, but it's something that isn't necessarily a staple. Maybe it becomes a staple. We've abdicated for, even just yesterday, for Cam Sutton to yes. get more playing time over Mike Hilton, but Mike Hilton's great on those corner blitzes, and you're yes. right. Maybe that's something that Butler uses yeah. scheming this defense moving forward because two years ago it was like that was his coming out play. Yeah. Was Mike Hilton was electric on the blitz. He was, he was sacking the quarterback yeah. for a defensive back at a, at a pretty nice rate. Now this year it's more of just run stopping. That yeah. seems to be where the Steelers say he's the strongest. But, again, you kind of – I don't want to say you crumple up the paper and you throw it in the trash completely on what you were doing with the defense no. because of this injury. It's but been great, though. You yeah. definitely got to add some flair. You got to yeah. add some, some new things to it. And, again, just you talked about disguising. Imagine giving the look of a Bush and a Williams coming on, like, a jailbreak blitz, and then at the snap, Bush – and Williams both drop back into right. coverage, and then you send Hilton from the corner. Right. I mean, teams, it's going to confuse Absolutely. a lot of teams. Right, and you got to scheme that up. And I, I think, you know, and this is just me and you talking, but this is just two Yahoos talking about it. Imagine what Keith Butler's thinking, like, with and, all the possibilities he had. And I'm sure he's glad he's got the bye week. Because sure, right. He can just sit down, have a nice little glass of scotch or whatever <laughs> his drink of choice is, maybe smoke a cigar, and just really get yep. to work on what he wants his defense to look like in the second half of the Steelers' yeah, season. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And I think that's going to be a key, obviously. they got to get more creative defensively. And I don't want to say they have to because they've been great so far, but we don't want to diminish the role that, that Steph Tewitt was playing and, and how big it is to lose him because, like we said, like you said, you're not going to get – uh, that that pressure from just rushing three or four, the same pressure that you would if two was out there. Obviously, more guys are going to get more attention, so you got to get more creative. You got to think, okay, well, let let's get a little let's let's give defenses a look that they haven't their offense as a look that they haven't seen from our defense. Let's let's switch it up, and if they do that, I don't see why this defense can't keep rolling along and can't keep doing what they're doing. Obviously, it's going to come from different people and different sources a little bit, but it could be the same result. Another thing that really helps with the defense being fresh, controlling the f the field for the offense, helping both of those units out is the special teams. Yeah. No one really wants to talk about the special teams, though, so that's why I sneak it in in the last <laughs> two minutes of the segment here. <laughs> but Jordan Barry has been very good he's this year. He's been fantastic. Chris Boswell has been oh, – he's been he's, Chris Boswell he's again. He's the all-pro kicker that yeah. he once was. And the coverage on the special teams, on the punt game, on the kick, it's been – a lot better than what it was last year. Yeah. I think the Niners was really the only game that it really stuck out to me that they were the Niners were making mm -hmm. a lot of ground in the return game on punt sure. returns. But other than that, you know, their coverage has been outstanding. The only thing that's really been holding them back is their own return game. Yeah. And it's th Ryan Switzer just isn't able to get to that next level and get 15 to 20 yards back on punts because he can't make anybody miss. Right. And 
I like Switzer for the if they're punting from deep in their own territory. And you need the ball. And you need the ball yeah. at midfield. And you yeah. need sure hands. Sure. Then you send Switzer out there. He can get you maybe five. And extra if he gets yards. five, that's a plus. Right. But I want to see moving forward, especially since this offense, you know, it's struggling for big plays. The defense needs to be put in favorable positions yeah. throughout the game. If the opposing team is going to punt from, say, like the 40 to the 50, put a Deontay Johnson back there. I know his hands aren't as sure as I'm Ryan okay Switzer. Putting Holton back put there. a Johnny Holton back there. Again, you're sacrificing sure hands, and right. you might get a muffed punt. But you could get a 40 but you could get yard a th- return. At, at the very least, maybe a 25. Right. I'm just and saying, there's a possibility. I know, exactly. And I would like to see that playmaking you know, ability out there on the special team side of things. Because when your defense is great and your offense is struggling, you really need to win in those margins. And special teams is the margins. Right, right. And you know how I feel about Ryan Switzer. We've talked about it at nauseum. I don't think he should really be a pro at this point. You know what I mean? Like, what does he do? He He can fair catch a punt. Now, granted, that's a good living. If I was Ryan Switzer, I would love to do that. But you got to try to – you got to be different. You got to you got to figure some stuff out, and even more so now with the offense struggling and with two it out. Maybe you get more creative special teams wise, and I think that that's going to be a key moving forward. Mike Tomlin, I think, deserves praise this yes. year, and that's weird to say because the Steelers are sitting at two and four, and he's a head coach that's never yeah. really had a, he's never never really never had a losing season in his career. He hasn't right. But when we come back, I want to get into the job that he's done with getting this team to continue to buy in, even though things just. It seems to be raining bleep sideways on this team all year long. So we'll discuss that when we come back. I'm Tom Offerman. That's Kellen Gursky. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. No Euler and Motes today. They were filling in for Tunch and Wolf in their time slot. So you got the Steelers Saturday crew sitting in with you on the Steelers Blitz. Tom Opperman, Kellen Gursky. You can get after us on Twitter. You can hit me up at ButtonPusher970. Get after Kellen at K underscore Gursky34. And Kellen, a guy on this Pittsburgh Steelers team, and he's not really a guy on the team. <laughs> he really is the the team yeah. that gets a lot of criticism and a lot of it undeservedly yeah. so is Mike Tomlin. And even after wins, I mean, we do right. a, a bit on the, the Crowley show called Sangry Tweets. Yeah, after, I, love, I after, love that bit, by the way. It's great. After games on Sundays. And even after wins, yeah. the hate of Mike Tomlin shines it's through amazing. on the social media world in Pittsburgh. And they're sitting at two and four right now. And it's one of his worst starts, probably his second worst start. He went one and four Didn't back he in twenty thirteen. Oh and four, one and four back in twenty thirteen. They climbed back to eight and yeah. eight. But this is definitely one of his worst starts to his For coaching sure. career, at least to his head coaching career. And it's weird that I'm coming out and, and kind of taking this side on this, but I think this is one of his best jobs to date. And maybe I have a little different tone if they don't beat the Chargers sure, last Sunday night. Sure. But getting that win on the road, it's getting huge. the two and four, and putting yourself in a position where we talked about this ad nauseum yesterday, in three weeks you could be sitting in first place in your division at four and four. Yeah. It's really just a testament to how he was able to have this team continue to buy in because you lose Ben Roethlisberger, okay. Most teams might quit there. You might fold after that, right. right. 
but then you saw the confidence that they had in young Mason Rudolph, yeah. and they really rallied around him. Yep. Of course, they lose to the Niners, though, in his first start. Yeah. That could be a little deflating, especially the way they lost the game with James Conner fumbling, and they really but played the Niners well all the game The Niners long. are 5-0 and oh, or 6-0 and oh right now. Exactly. They so that they carry some weight. Then you move on. You get a nice win against the Bengals. Yep. You're expected to do that. So, you know, you're starting to get a little bit of steam. Then you have another heartbreaking loss yeah. to the Baltimore Ravens, your, your biggest rival in the sport. And, again, that could have been a real dagger to this yeah. team. And instead, you see them go out to the West Coast against the Los Angeles Chargers. And they played inspired football. Mm. And we said before that game on our Steelers Saturday show that you're going to get a desperate L.A. team. Mm. You're going to get a Chargers team that, you know, they had Super Bowl aspirations yeah. and they still have their Hall of Fame quarterback. Sure. And in fact, their running back that's a star that was holding out, he's back now. So yeah. things are starting to look up for the L.A. Chargers all of a sudden. And instead you saw a Steelers team that went that out there and desperate. played mm. so desperate. And and the defense was so bought in, and you mm -hmm. could tell that instead of just, oh, woe is us, we're going to go to one and five because we have Duck Hodges starting at quarterback. Yeah. It was it was let's get out there and let's win this game despite having this undrafted yeah. rookie free agent. Let's make sure that he can't make a mistake that's going to lose this game for us because we're going to so definitively dominate on right. every side of the ball. Yeah, and, and I, I just want to, you know, We've talked about this a little bit. I, I will say, you know, I'm not the biggest Mike Tomlin fan in the world, but I can respect him and what he's been able to do. And you, you can't, you can't sit here and say that he hasn't underachieved in the past couple. Oh, of right, seasons. absolutely. Right. I, agree I get where that. you're coming from there. Right, but with that being said, you look at this this team and you have to respect his demeanor because. You know, yeah, he might not. You know, he might not say all the right things in the media all the time, and might be a little cryptic sometimes. But you know what? His guys believe in him, and he he believes in his guys. And like you said, to start as as poor as they did with Ben going down week two, uh, you're you're writing off the Steelers, right? I mean, pretty much every person in the national media wrote the Steelers off at that point, and they still might be written off. Let's let's not take that away, but. They, they bought in, and they, they continue to just rally around this Mason Rudolph kid and Doc Hodges, believe it or not. And like you said, they, they have a chance to be in first place in a matter of like two or three weeks, whatever it is now. That's amazing. I mean, this is his best coaching performance, I, even though it might not end up in the playoff uh, berth. It might not end up there. But just the fact that they're still in it at this point, and yes, it's early in the year. Anybody's really still in it at this point. But they could have been dead in the water three weeks ago. I mean, he's never the, the injuries that he's facing right, right now. And that it's, too. it's catastrophic. Yeah. You lose your Hall of Famer at quarterback, then you lose the second string guy, and you traded away the third string guy, so you're on to your fourth string practice squad. Member. Right, and then you lose your best player on the defensive side of the football, and it, will, it remains to be seen how they adjust from that one sure. moving forward. But I can guarantee you this: they ain't gonna quit on him. Nope. And I something that just keeps eating away at me as I lay awake at night in my bed and think <laughs> nothing but Steelers football. Right, that's what we all do. Is I can't imagine how many other teams, how many other coaches in the NFL would have their guys quit on them if this season started so poorly like this. Buddy, do you think for a second that Freddie Kitchens would be able to do what Mike Tomlin has done? Well, that's the thing we're about to find out. And right. it doesn't look like things are going in that direction, but – it remains to be seen, and right. I don't want to just bury Freddie Kitchens mm, right, right away. But, you know, the Browns' schedule in the second half of the season, it really opens up for them. So if yeah. you can keep the attention and the focus of that locker room, you you could go on a really you nice could. run here. And you're right. If Tomlin was in those shoes 
and knowing how, what I know about Tomlin, I would have no doubt that the Browns would go on a nice little run yeah. towards the end of the they season. They might not get in, but if you they're going to get to eight and eight, I if, bet. Yeah, if you flip the roles uh, with the two head coaches, you know, for the Browns and the Steelers, uh, it would be a very different conversation, I think, right now. If Freddie Kitchens was a head coach, and I, you know, that's obviously a hypothetical, but I don't think Steeler fans really realize how good of a coach Mike Tomlin is. I agree. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of him in the world, and I will, and I'm saying that. The Steelers fans and, and the Steelers team in general are lucky to have a guy like him, a guy that continues to get the most out of his guys, even even in the times of like look at where we're at right now. You know, you lose a Hall of Famer, you you lose your probably your best defensive player this year, and you're still right in the thick of things. As crazy as that is, that's a testament to Mike Tomlin. It's a testament to that whole coaching staff to keep the guys focused. It's it's a, it's not it's not necessarily a hard thing to do to get down after you lose some guys or, or after you start one and four, it's not exactly the easiest thing to do to get up for that game against the Chargers, a team who's desperate, who exactly. has a Hall of Famer. It's not. Let's exactly. be honest. I've played sports all my life. You've, you've, you know, all of I've us, watched sports all my life. Right. Like, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not. If, if Sometimes when things are bad, things are bad. But it's a credit to Tomlin. It's a credit to, to Colbert and company just to continue to – try to make moves to help this team get back in it and they must be, they have to believe in this team otherwise they wouldn't have done what they've done this year in the in the trade market and and other things but this is a i mean honestly if, if especially if you get to eight and eight or if you get to that uh you know you get to four and four and you're controlling your own destiny pretty much from that point out this is mike tomlin's best coaching performance of the year of his career and, and we're only in week six right. seven seven so there's still some work to be done on it but it's trending in that direction yeah and at the beginning of the season when Ben went down and things started to look bleak after the Niners loss and then, of course, what happened against the Ravens, I started sitting there and saying, you know, this is going to be the first losing season on Mike Tomlin's record. Yep. You know, that was something uh, – and I'm, I'm a Tomlin supporter, so right. that's, that's – Oh, I'm not saying I don't I know, I know, him, I know. But I know what but you're saying. I like having that ammo, you know. Right, that, right, right. Oh, this guy's never had a losing season in the NFL. Do you know how hard that is to do is Very. to not have a losing season in the NFL? And I was worried, you know, this is going to be the one. And it's really not to his own fault because no. you lose Big Ben and then you have all the other injury problems that have snuck up on them. And now we're sitting here and it's 8-8 eight and eight is possible. Yeah. And he could save this unbelievable streak of never having a losing season. And I know his goal is to make the playoffs, but at the end of the year, he might sit back when the season's over and say, man, it felt good to at least get to eight and eight, to at least right. get to a, a, a 500 team that, or at that least, didn't at least, lose more games than they won. Right. Or at least stay in the playoff hunt till the last until week, week 17. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, have, a, have a game against right. Baltimore with a shot to go to the playoffs. Right. And that's that right. And at this point, you know, you're sitting at two and four now. That's probably going to be the goal. All right. Let's, let's make it interesting at least at this point. And obviously Tomlin's not going to go out and say that to the guys. Oh guys, let's just keep it interesting. Right, exactly. That's not what he's going but to say. But the, what you just said there proves what we're trying trying to say this entire segment is he knows exactly what buttons to push. Yep. He's not going to go out there and just say stuff like that. <laughs> right. He knows how to make these guys think that they're in the AFC North. Race. They are. They're contenders. They are. I, I, without a doubt in my mind, he's able to go in there and paint a picture of, guys, I know things are down, but we can win this AFC. Yeah. And the AFC, the AFC North obviously isn't – it's one of the weaker divisions in, in football. It's not the old AFC North by any means. And – you're still in it. That's the craziest thing about this. You're still in it. You still have a chance. And, I mean, a playoff berth is still real. It, it is by no means out of 
reach. And really, the Steelers control their own destiny at this point. I know at 2-4, and four, that's pretty tough to fathom. It's pretty tough to, to really wrap your head around. But if they continue to take care of business— And you're assuming the Ravens are going to lose because their schedule's just awful. Right. It's I mean, so hard. And if the Ravens go on a heater, well, you know, that's Then that you happens. don't control your own destiny and whatever. Right. You're, you're, if you're a betting man, you're not betting. No, that. I agree. And I, I'm sure Tomlin has that in the back of his head, and I'm sure they're not scoreboard watching. Or schedule watching, exactly. Right. But they know. They, they, they have an idea of what's, what's out there and what's obtainable. And Oh, he's got a bye week. He, right. I guarantee you he's going to keep an eye on the Seahawks-Ravens game. Sure, I absolutely. Guarantee. absolutely. He's going to watch probably the Browns. Too. Well, the Browns are on a bye. I apologize. Right. But if there was a Browns game, they'd be watching it. And it's, it's very, very interesting. And, I, I, you know, I know, it's weird that, that we're sitting here and we're painting a picture about a 2-4 and four football team, but we're painting a picture where it's a real possibility they could make a run at this and, and still be in it at Week 17 with a game against the Ravens, who, you know what, that might, that whoever wins that game, that might be your AFC North champion. There's probably only going to be one team. No, there is going to be only one team from the AFC oh, North to get in yeah. at this point. It's pretty, pretty safe uh, to bet. And that, you know, that's got to be the goal to just be, just be close enough at the end of the year to get in. He's absolutely taken for granted. He, he, he is. Really oh, 100%. His dominance against the AFC North is just something that – that's a mark of a really good head coach. Now, he's – he's I think he's 500 now with the Ravens because mm-hmm. him and Harbaugh are just – you see two really they good coaches right, going right, back right. and forth, sure. trading trading wins yeah. and trading L's. But his dominance of the other two yeah. teams, the he absolutely owns the Bengals. Even yeah. when the Bengals had their little run of mm-hmm. being pretty relevant under Andy Dalton yeah. and A.J. Green – he was just dominating Marvin Lewis and the Bengals, and of course the Browns. It's it's rare if he ever loses right. to the Cleveland Browns. And obviously that might change moving forward from this point on. The Browns are obviously getting better, but so to your point, that yeah. Ravens loss. Uh, it's just it's a rare thing to see him lose an AFC North game. Yeah. He had, he had a pretty successful stretch against the Ravens going before he that did. game this year too. So it's just you've you've seen a coach come in really take control of a division save from one team that's you know just pretty much your equal in every mm-hmm. way but at least they're not the team that's dominating you're right. you're giving them a fight every year and that's just the mark of such a good coach is mm-hmm. to be able to really take control of it. I mean look at Belichick and what he's done yeah. to the AFC East. I mean he's basically crushed every other Everyone. franchise in that division to the point where they it's hard for them to become competitive. And now the Steelers have had some competition mainly the Ravens, Bengals a couple yeah. of times but They've squashed it almost yeah. every when the when Tomlin went to the Super Bowl and won his Super Bowl. He beat the Ravens on the way and three times. You play those games six six of your sixteen games are against those teams. Yeah, so you can't just be willing to walk away from a coach that has so much success yeah. in in those six games because that's going to get you almost half of the wins that you right. need to get to the playoffs. Right, and and by no means you know. I, I think there's a still a small part of Steeler Nation that that doesn't appreciate what Tomlin does, I agree. And, and they don't, you know, they don't necessarily take, they take him for granted and for it's, sure. And it's games like we have a whole segment here after a game like the they had against the LA Chargers where he gets the praise that he deserves, yeah. but with the other fans that would ba- bashed him mercilessly after the Ravens lost are quiet whenever right. the, they go out to L.A. and beat the Chargers. It's just crickets from those mm. same exact fans because they've already made up their mind. Yeah. And there's no watching and judging based on how the season plays out. Once Ben went down and Tomlin is Tomlin in their yeah. minds, it's yeah. it's over. The season's right. over, and it's not. And, no. the, and, and the team – and again, main point of this whole thing, the team is so bought in. They could – 
you couldn't tell the difference between them being six and zero and being two and four at this point. At with this their, point, no. Morale Based and, on how they played right. on Sunday night, you would not if you took the records out of it. And so many injuries. Right, Ugh. right, yeah, and and it's it's funny when when uh, two it went down. You know, you're kind of thinking, oh man, like is this maybe just not the Steelers? Not in the year? cards. You know what I mean? It's just not in the cards. There's a lot of injuries that went into it, and obviously, um, it didn't help. But I, you just wonder if this isn't your year. But then all of a sudden, you're still in it. You know what I mean? Like. All with all the crap and all the injuries and everything else that has happened so far this year, it's a credit. It, it really is a credit to Mike Tomlin. And again, I, you know, I'm not his biggest supporter in the world. I'm by no means advocating that he shouldn't be the head coach by any stretch. Right. But I can. I'm one of those people that may not be his best, biggest supporter, but I can recognize that what he's doing with this team and what he has done with this team for the last. I don't know. How long has he been here now? Since 07? 07. That's 12 years. That's a long time. And, and he's never had a losing season as, as a head coach of the Steelers. That's unbelievably impressive. Big injury to overcome, though. Steph Tewitt being out well, remains to be seen how Tomlin, how Keith Butler, how that side of the football that's been carrying the team really you know helps fill that void moving right. forward. The NFL, as a league, suffered a huge injury last night. That's right. The entire league suffered an injury that could be devastating. We'll get into that in Thursday Night Football when we come back. Kellen Gursky and Tom Opperman filling in for Euler and Motes right here on Steelers Blitz. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Second hour of the Steelers Blitz rolling along on a Friday. Tom Opperman and Kellen Gersky filling in for Euler and Motes. Kellen, last night, I mean, you're broken up about this. I, I mean, am. I can't get you to shut up when we go to break about this Patrick Mahomes injury. Uh, it's devastating to you right it now. It is devastating to me. And I think it's more devastating to me because of what you said before we went to break. Not only is this a big loss for the KC Chiefs, it is a loss for the league as a whole. And – you're probably thinking, oh, like, why is it a, a lot? He's the most exciting player in the NFL right now, bar none. I don't think it's close. I don't Ooh. think. I don't think. I don't. No, I'm dead serious. Russell Wilson. He's playing at an MVP pace. Yes, he's absolutely. Pretty exciting. He's year. great. But I'm just saying, this. If there's one guy, one guy in the entire league that the league can't afford to lose, this is the guy. Because let's I you and I, that. you and I both said this, did we not? When break, when when Mahomes went out and he got hurt. I didn't really pay attention to the rest of the game. No, you're right. Seriously. Well, I did, but I didn't. You know what I mean? There's two sides to that coin, though. If the Chiefs were playing, say, the Texans and Mahomes went out, I would have watched that game very intently to see if they could pull it off. Sure. But you combine Joe Flacco with Matt Moore, who I didn't even know was still alive. (laughs) Right. A a living human being on the face of the earth, let alone playing quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Comes trotting in. Like, the nation as a whole, when Mahomes went down, collectively went the Chiefs have a backup quarterback. Yeah. Like, who in the hell is about to just trot in here and, right. and take the snaps for Kansas City? And it turns out it's Matt Moore. Yeah. So Matt Moore versus Joe Flacco, it doesn't get the juices going. No. And you turn off what's a pivotable, piv- pivotable, pivotal AFC West game yeah. between the Broncos and the Chiefs because if the Broncos win, they're a game back from first place right. all of a sudden. Right, and it- – yeah, and, and those two teams get together, it's usually good football. It usually like, is. It's a right. nice rivalry, Kansas City, Denver. And 
you just didn't see it last no. night. Like there was nothing there, especially once Mahomes went down. Right. You're like, I want to watch this football game. Right. It, 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 it. And I'm not saying that's how everybody in the in the world viewed that game last night. I'm sure there's people that stayed and watched. But my point yeah, is, yeah, Chiefs fans. Right. Yeah. And maybe some Broncos fans. Maybe actually, maybe not. Probably but, not. But my point is, is that if you lose a guy like that, one of the most exciting guys in football, if not the most, that's gonna hurt the league. Whether you want to admit that or not, you know, it's it's going to hurt the league's, you know, revenue a little bit. And there really hasn't been – has there really been that much that's come out on his injury? Like, I think we all know that he dislocated his Sots kneecap, dislocated right? knee. They popped it right back into place. And I think the early estimate is he's absolutely going to miss three weeks. Three weeks. And then they're going to run further three, tests today right. and see if it's going to be longer than that. Right. And, you know, and you don't want to speculate, speculate obviously. Well, on, we can't on speak this segment. <laughs> but <laughs> But uh, but honestly, you know, when you look at this, will his ankle injury kind of ha- hamper his rehab right. to get him back? You know, obviously, and you know, it's it's interesting. Is it? Do you think maybe you know his ankle right is taped up so much, obviously because he's been fighting that for a couple weeks. You know, maybe uh, maybe it was ta- taped up so much that the ankle wouldn't bend. Something had to bend. You know what I mean? Like. Maybe that was the reason that that happened. That it, you know, I'm not saying that that's the reason, but it might have played a factor. But the bigger question moving forward is, will it will it slow his rehab down? Will it hamper him? And because he's dealing with two injuries, one obviously kind of big one. You need your knee, obviously, and he dislocated his kneecap. But you know, I'm I'm more concerned, and I'm really worried. And I I hate to be this guy, but. You and I think that Mahomes could be one of the best ever. When right. this is all trending said and there. Done. Yes, and I've said that to a couple of my friends, and they look at me like I'm an idiot, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" You have How some dumb you? friends then. <laughs> they might be listening right now. So you're just, dumb. <laughs> but no, serious. I, I I I worry that this is the type of thing. And I know it's just that you know he dislocated his kneecap, they popped it back in, but is this an injury that you know? hampers him maybe moving forward the rest of his career will he be the same guy and you know and the only reason I say that is because look at how many guys that sort of thing has happened to with RG3 and and obviously there was an ACL injury involved with RG3 and and other and and Mahomes is so much better than RG3 right but you you get my point is that these exciting guys come in and boom an injury three years later they're out of the league I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen to Mahomes but could this hamper him on that pace that you and I think that he is going on? Kellen, I had a nightmare last night. Did you? Yes. So Mahomes gets hurt. I decided to go to bed. After laying in bed for hours thinking about nothing but Steelers football, as I told you previously, that I do every single night. Right. I drifted into slumber, and I had a nightmare that the NFL in the future was going to ban the quarterback sneak. <laughs> if, hear me out on this. The league is all about player safety. Yeah. And what's the one player that they've been really trying to protect more than any other position is the quarterback. Yep. I mean, you saw Denny's play against Lamar oh, Jackson. Was, that was a roughing the passer just solely because they're trying to protect low hits right. on the quarterback. When does the quarterback get exposed the most to get hit the most is on a quarterback sneak? And, and I don't want it to be banned. No, don't no, get no. me wrong. That's not where I'm coming from. That's why I said it was a nightmare of mine. Because it's one of the most pure, simple plays in the history of football. Yeah. Is you need a yard, get the quarterback under center, and sneak a yard. Mm-hmm. But I could see, you know, as if more and more quarterbacks get hurt, Mahomes gets hurt on a quarterback sneak, and and moving forward, are the league going to try to move, take pre- take, you know, a stance and say we don't want quarterbacks sneaking? I don't know how you can ban. No, it, you probably but, can't. But I get. But your, yeah. I, I could see the league office kind of saying, why the hell? We'd spend all this time trying to protect these quarterbacks, and then 
these teams just line them up and have them right, run right up the middle with a bunch of hogs. Well, right, and squash that's, them like that's a bug. the biggest thing. I mean, think about how much weight is around Mahomes or wh- whatever quarterback. Because think you're of doing. a quarterback sneak. It's just get as much push off the line as you can, and then fall for everybody fall forward for a yard. Right. So like, there's a lot of bodies falling right. there, obviously, and that's kind of what happened to Mahomes. His knee got rolled up a little bit, twisted, boom. That's what happens. I, I hear your point. I don't think they would necessarily outlaw it, but. It, I never know. You never know. League. You never know with the NFL. I mean, you really that would be don't. the worst thing they could possibly do. I think in my right. life, and they've I agree. done some bad things with pass interference. Yeah, that could be, the passer, that'd be bad. If they banned a play just because of the risk to the quarterback, yeah. uh, that'd be awful. And again, they're not going to do it. But right. It's just something that I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if this league toys with the I notion. I hear you. I hear you. And I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter. You know, some national media people like, "Oh, why is Mahomes running a quarterback sneak?" Dude, are you kidding me? Like they're doing, they're trying to get a first down. Like it's the most effective play. They're not thinking about what if. They're it not is. thinking about well, if Mahomes gets hurt. No, it's a quarterback sneak. How many times do you see a guy get hurt on a sneak? Now, granted, as you pointed out, there's a lot of moving parts there. There's a lot of bodies falling around on a very small way to go. You're trying to get three feet to pick up a yard. You know that's. <laughs> It's it's not exa- it's just weird. Like I don't understand why people are like oh so against the quarterback sneak because it's so effective. And and granted, this obviously hurts a lot with with Mahomes going down. But I I don't know. I don't I don't buy into that. Like why is why is a a great star, a great quarterback running a quarterback sneak? I mean, get out of here with that. I don't. I mean, I mean, it's the most effective way to right. get a yard in football. I mean, how, how, Patrick Mahomes is athletic, right? So I how, expect him to be able to get a yard. Right. How long for years have Steeler fans been been asking for ben banging the table for right. sneaks? So they work, obviously, and obviously this is you know that's just a small small size of the media saying, oh, like why is Mahomes doing a quarterback sneak? That's not everybody. It's a small minority, but. There's there is that those people out there. So the quarterback sneak. I hope it doesn't die. I hope teams don't look at this and go, oh, what if? I I hope that they continue. I love the quarterback sneak. I think. I mean, look at Tom Brady, man. Like Tom Brady isn't all that athletic, but he runs a quarterback sneak better than anybody. Two rushing touchdowns last yeah. week. Baby. Don't remind me. I played against him in fantasy <laughs> last week. Don't remind me about that. The NFL is gonna feel this injury oh, right huge. away yeah. because you look ahead on the calendar. Just next week, buddy. Sunday night football is Green Bay at Kansas City. That was going to be pitched as Mahomes versus Rodgers, yep. you know, the the passing of the torch between yep. Rodgers and Mahomes and the league was going to build that game up to almost the, the hype around it almost yeah, it, super sure, super bowl sure, level sure. hype around it. And now all of a sudden it's it's just like a wet fart because it's Aaron Rodgers versus Matt Moore and the Packers are probably going to kill them. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then and then you take the it, Chiefs defense. Oh, they're bad. Is terrible. I mean, they did the biggest favor they've ever had done to them was Joe Flacco being yeah, the quarterback was, last night. He was he was horrendous. There was I, no threat of them getting scored on by the Broncos. All they had to do was stop the run. Right. And now you got Green Bay coming in, whose offense, granted, isn't as good as it should be, but it's going to get better every week because you got sure. one of the greatest quarterbacks ever under center. And, and a Green Bay defense that's definitely going to be able to stop a Matt Moore led offense. You would think, right. Right. So. Again, though, for the league, you had Mahomes and Rodgers, and it's just been taken away from you yeah. so quickly yeah. like that. It, it, it sucks. As a fan, it sucks because yeah. that's a marquee game. You you look at Chiefs-Patriots, and then you probably look at Chiefs-Packers yep. as the big marquee games that the NFL was licking their chops on this year. Right, and then you, you take it a couple of steps further here. I'm looking at the Chiefs' schedule right now. They play Green Bay next week. Then they play Minnesota. 
Good luck beating Minnesota without without Pat Mahomes. Right, but at least those games are on one PM. Right, right. But I'm just this next yeah. week in the national spotlight. Yeah. You can really build up a oh. Rodgers versus Mahomes. Sure. I mean, you'd you'd have the graphics. You know, the, the, <laughs> the, think about the promos that we'd see all week right. leading up to it with just like Rodgers hail mary plays and then Mahomes no look passes to each other and it's like head to head on Sunday. Right. And they're they're missing a huge they opportunity are. there. And that's 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 the unfortunate thing. That's why you know I'm a little bit bent up about the league losing Mahomes for. You know, hopefully it's a three-week thing. Hopefully, you know, maybe a month he's back, whatever. Hopefully that, that is what happens. But if, if he misses more time, um, I mean, that's bad news for the AFC, by the way, because, if you know, everyone's thinking that it's a Chiefs-Pats collision course in the AFC championship game. And now you lose Mahomes for a couple weeks, th- you know, three weeks at the very least. Uh, who's going to challenge the Patriots moving forward? Right, exactly. Maybe it's the Baltimore Ravens. Who knows? I mean, yeah, Maybe, right. but uh, looking ahead to the schedule this weekend, the Ravens have a pretty tough test against the Seahawks, and that's yeah. that's a game that really jumps out to me on the schedule, not just for Steelers' reasons. It's, a, it's just, just a really right. good matchup. And, you know, it's funny. I We obviously know we, the Steelers need the Ravens to lose so that the Steelers can, can hopefully get back right. into this division race, but – when you look at the Seattle Seahawks, and a lot of the talk around the NFL, I think, is there's really only one team that everybody knows is good, and it's the Patriots. You know, everybody else has question marks. Especially in the AFC. Right. and But even on the NFC, you know, because you got a Saints team that's without Drew Brees. Sure. And, uh, there's question marks everywhere except for, it seems, on that one team, the mm-hmm. New England Patriots. But as I'm sitting here thinking, what are the question marks with the Seattle Seahawks? I mean, why would you not put them in that same category? They, I mean, yeah. the Niners, I get having some question marks with that because you've got a younger head coach. Granted, I think he's one of the best head coaches yeah. in football. A younger Kyle quarterback. Shanahan. Exactly. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been playing great. Like, no, no one sits no. back and says, yeah, those Niners led by Jimmy G. No, it's all defense. It's all running game. It's yeah. all Kyle Shanahan's scheme. You're right. But when you look at the Seahawks, man, Yes, the defense has taken a step back, but it's not abysmal. Nope. And the offense is getting better because Russell Wilson is playing his best football. So if you're looking for another team that doesn't really have a question mark, it's the Seattle Seahawks Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, you saw the Steelers go toe-to-toe with Seattle, and then you saw the Browns go toe-to-toe with Seattle. But But Seattle Seattle find a way to win. West Coast team, both of those games at 1 p.m., traveling across the country. It's Their body clock, it's 9.30 a.m. in the morning when those games start. And I think you saw that because in the first half they struggled in both those games, and then they really turned it on in the second half once they woke up a little bit. But to go from the West Coast to the East Coast like that at a 1 p.m. kick and come away with two victories against two – average teams yeah you got to tip your cap to this sure that's it those are two huge wins for seattle yeah now they don't have to go to the east coast anymore right and you mentioned russell wilson i mean he has this has been his best year of football Uh, he hasn't thrown a pick yet he's got 14 touchdowns no picks uh that's insane it's insane it's amazing it is absolutely amazing and he's playing at an MVP level right now. I think he is the MVP at this point in the year. I don't know how you could give it to anybody else at this point. But uh, they are a complete football team. They have the passing attack with Wilson. Even though the receivers aren't great, they've gotten a big jump from DK Metcalf. Obviously, he's been fantastic. But they have a good running game with Chris Carson. Their defense, as you said, maybe has taken a step back, but they're not by any means. They're above the league average, that's for sure. And with that coupled with that offense, man, they might be they might be the most complete team in the NFC. They they probably shouldn't have many question marks by their name any longer. Lamar Jackson should take a long look at 
Russell Wilson when he's on offense yeah. and learn how to be a running quarterback in the NFL. Because that's what Wilson was in the beginning. Yeah. Like he ran reckless. the ball a lot more. He was reckless, and then all of a sudden he got smarter. The the coaching staff, Pete Carroll, was like, "Listen, dude, we can't lose you. Got to be a little smart." And look at what he's dude. He now. slides and runs out of bounds yep. better than any quarterback I think I've yep. ever seen. Yeah, it, he's it's great. So smart. And yeah, and that's just a his testament. cerebral play feeds into the passing game yeah. too. Like you said, he hasn't thrown a pick, but. Steelers fans, the moral of the story is I think the Ravens are going to drop this one to Seattle because the Seahawks, they're, they're a damn good football they team. Are. And another team that I think is going to drop one maybe this weekend that Steeler fans love to see lose is the New England Patriots. Yeah, man. you're real high on I'm that. high on the Jets this week. I really am. I think the Jets' defense is a lot better than people, people think. I think that it's easier – you want to talk about head coaches getting a team to buy in. I don't think Adam Gase can get that team to buy in unless he has Sam Darnold, right. a real threat under center at quarterback. Sam Darnold's back. He played really well against the Cowboys. Had a bad red zone interception, mm. but was still able to win that game and pull off the upset at home. Patriots coming into Jets Stadium yeah. on a Monday night game. You know that crowd's going to be crazy. Yep. I don't think the Patriots are going to drop this game. I, I think that they find a way to pull it out. But I'm telling you, Steelers Nation, Monday Night Football, Pats-Jets is going to be a lot closer of a game than you think. I, I can see it. I, I don't, for a second, discredit what you're saying. It, and I just, the Pats' offense is so pedestrian this year. It's been bad. And the Jets' defense is above average, I think. It is. No, C.J. Mosley might not play, and that's right. a big blow. But Adams is outstanding. Williams is back. It's just it's interesting matchup. It's Callum. interesting for sure, and obviously the Jets feel a lot better about themselves now that they got their quarterback back. Who, by the way, I wasn't very high on Sam Darnold um, when he came out, and even last year I didn't really think he was that impressive. But the more I've watched him, man, they they desperately needed a guy like that, and he's he's pretty darn good. Callum. It's a rivalry game too. You know, it is. You know what you do with throw rivalry. it all out, baby. You throw the records right. Two O and O teams marching <laughs> into the Meadowlands on Monday night this week. We'll get back into the Steelers talk when we come back here on Steelers Blitz. We'll get into Mason Rudolph and how the offense can really be tailored to. Really, I'm trying to find a word here. Shine on the positives there that Mason go. Rudolph can bring to the table for this team. He's Kellen Gersky. I'm Tom Opperman. We're filling in for Euler Remotes today on Steelers Blitz right here on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tom Offerman and Kellen Gersky filling in for Euler and Moats today. We're going to get into Mason Rudolph in just a second here. But while we were at break, producer Jacob breaking some news yeah. to us, something that Kellen really needed to hear. I needed because it. He was super, super broken that. up about this. Patrick Mahomes, best case scenario yes. after getting the MRI today. He's only going to miss three games with a dislocated knee. And he'll be back in better than ever. Yeah, uh, thank goodness. That. That makes me breathe a sigh of relief, as you can probably tell. I was a little doom and gloom there in the last, the beginning of the last segment. It was a little ridiculous, man. I no, mean, dude, really, like, I'm come serious. On, your knee's I, fine. I mean, yeah, I hope so. But hey, that again, that's the best case scenario, according to Schefter. I'll take Shefty's word. I will take his word on it. And that again, best case scenario, I can breathe a sigh of relief because I love that dude, man. I just want to see Patty Mahomes do real well. You know who I love and I want to see do really well? Mason Rudolph. Wow. It's like you're inside of my brain. Crazy. But Mason Rudolph, 
he's not Patrick Mahomes, obviously, so you can't just trot him out there and he, you know he's going to do well. You kind of have to set him up to Scheme do well. Him. And right. you've got to see that with the Steelers' offense, I think, as we move forward in the year, especially with the receiving core. And we spent a lot of time earlier in the show talking about keep that same offensive game plan with the short passes to the running backs, keep it really simple, short, get guys out into space, turn five-yard swing passes into 20-yard rumbles for James Conner down the field. But, again, you need the yin and the yang. You can't just keep hammering NFL defenses with the same thing over sure. and over and over again. It's just not going to work. You can get away with that crap in college, but mm -hmm. not up here in the NFL. No, no, no. So you need to start scheming some receivers open yeah. more. And I don't know if it's do you keep it short and, you know, maybe some wide receiver screens, get Juju on some slants, Johnson on some slants, you know, maybe build their confidence up a little bit, make the defense – think about them or is it you exclusively use your wide receivers as deep threats and just you really scheme around the running backs and the tight ends or, or your safety valves short yardage but the receivers are trying to get open 10 15 yards down the field almost every every uh route right and i think if i were randy feetner i think that would be the way i would go i think i would keep this short stuff to running backs and tight ends available and that should always be an option obviously if the deep routes aren't really working and so far this year they haven't and credit to the Steelers uh you know Feetner and Rudolph you know taking what they're given not really trying to force anything but at, at the same time as you said you can't keep doing the same thing over and over you got to start scheming guys open you got to start taking advantage and you know we that's said that's why it, people said the wildcat was right. such, a, such a gimmick even Mike Tomlin himself said it was such a gimmick because in the NFL it's a run. Like, yeah. you know it's a run, right. I mean, except for when you pass. And you, right. We all and saw what happened pick, when you right. tried to pass. But 99.99% .99 of the time, it's a right. run, and you're not going to fool NFL players with play action. No. When you know that it's going to be either a run to the left or a run to the right. Or up the middle. Right, right, right. right. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but what I would do if I was Feetner, and we've advocate, we advocated for this last year in the uh, Steelers Saturday show, albeit before we, when we thought that Lev Bell was going to come back and, and didn't. Antonio Brown was, uh, was still which, a thing. Yeah. Um, Big Ben was slinging <laughs> it. Oh, such better times. Yeah, better times for sure. But right now with, with the emergence of Benny Snell, I know it's only one game, but you gotta you got to – you know, you have to maximize your opportunity here. And so what I would do, I would put both Connor and Snell in the backfield together. If you're going to really try to harp on this run game and really try to make that the focal point of your offense, which I think the Steelers are still going to do, they haven't done it at a great clip this year. They did it much better against the Chargers. That was the game plan. But I think you have to run the ball better. And what better way to do that than to put your two running backs on the field at the same time and then, you know, if you have to, motion someone out. And it's probably going to be Connor. I like that. You know, it's probably going to be Connor. Connor's obviously leading the Steelers in receiving. You put him in the slot. He I can run a quick little route. I, I mean, think it'll be Connor now against right. the Dolphins if they do go with that kind of scheme and game plan on some packages. But I think moving forward, you might see Connor and Samuels as side cars sure, to Rudolph sure. and Shotgun. And Rudolph – and. See, this is, this is where you run into problems with such a young quarterback yeah. because with those two backs to the left and the right of him, Rudolph can then read what the defense is giving him in the box. And if he can pick up that this linebacker is man-to-man is -man with Jalen Samuels, I'm sending Jalen Samuels out right. into the slot, have that linebacker follow him. All of a sudden, hello, there's five, six yards right up the middle for James Conner to just right. run a nice little inside zone. Exactly. And, again, you run into those problems with such a young and experienced quarterback because that's – 
you got to read the defense right. to figure that out. You got to know because if you don't know if that linebacker's playing man or zone, and you send Samuels out to the slot and he's in zone, and you run that inside handoff, Connor's crushed. done. Right. So it, it falls on the quarterback being able to make those reads and. I like where your head's at with that. It just might be a little too complicated at this yeah, point. No, but, I, again, the Dolphins is a great test tube team to try, to try all this right. stuff against. Right, right, right. And, again, this is a great matchup, and I keep saying that, but it is. You know, it gets that Steeler offense. It allows you to do some different things, and even more so with the defense, you know, now that you're trying to figure out how to replace Steph to it. Um, and this is a great matchup, but offensively, I think, for me, that's what I would try to do, and I would just tell Mason, listen, I understand that you're not – you know, you're probably not going to get every read right. You're a young quarterback. He's smart. Don't expect you to. And do, they don't expect him to at this point. Right. I, I mean, right. But I think that's going to be your best uh, your best bet if you're going to try to continue this running game because, as you said, you you got to try to scheme things. you got to try to maybe confuse a defense a little bit. And what better way to confuse them than to put two running backs on the field, put one in the slot. Then you have to account for them. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm just going to leave – we're just going to focus on the run. Well, then a running back is going to be running free with nobody on him. Or B, we're going to allot all our attention to Connor or whoever it is in the slot. Like you said, all right, here's a little handoff for five. You know, like they can run that the entire way down the field. And you can run so many different things out of having two running backs on the field. You know, you can have a jet sweep or whatever it might be with a receiver or a screen pass with a receiver. And then you have Connor out there blocking for him, you know, who's probably your – I don't want to say he's a great blocker. But he's getting better. He's getting better. And, you know, again, you get these guys in space. I think that's the biggest thing is that the Steelers haven't gotten their playmakers in space. They've get they've gotten Juju the ball in some in a couple games, especially against Baltimore. He balled out against Baltimore other than that fumble. But that was the only time this year you've really seen Juju get the ball in his hands with open field, right. with, with space around him. And, and, again, that has to be schemed. That has to be figured out. That has to be – that has to be priority number one, obviously. This offense has to get more consistent if they want to go on that run that you and I talked about a couple segments ago. If they want to, you know, be in it at the end of the year, you got to make this offense better. You have to you have to be able to sustain more drives. And and against the Chargers, it was a it was a tick in the right direction. It was a positive beat, but you got to you got to be more consistent with it. One thing that you hope continues moving forward is whether it be Snell, whether it be Connor, you hope to have a running back do well on mm -hmm. the ground and it was snell against the chargers which right. is 17 carries and 75 yards averaging over four yards a carry right you hope that you can continue at least one of the backs performing like that each game because what that's going to do for rudolph is it's going to set up your play action and yep. for a young quarterback there's no better way to make making a read easier than a good old play action yep. where a safety a linebacker bites because then it's just it's obvious that that yep. guy is out of position and my receiver is going to be open down the field. Mm -hmm. So a huge key I think for the Steelers' offense moving forward is, and you say this all you could say this almost every year with no matter who's your quarterback, but it rings especially true now is you run to set the pass up. Yeah, and I don't think that the short, you know, quick passes to Connor, quick passes to Snell that that doesn't count as running to set the pass up. Right. That's not going to suck defenses in. Right. You need to have between-the-tackle effectiveness in your running game, and that's going to set up Juju on a crossing route yep. 20 yards down the field. So hopefully moving forward, Benny Snell, James Conner, whoever it may be, is getting four yards of carry on the ground because that, above all else, might be the most important. Right, and I think the thing the Steelers have to gun for each week um, is to get that rushing total. I don't care who it is, uh, a, com a combination of whoever the running backs are. 
the goal should be to have over 100 yards every, every game week. as a team. And if you don't, you can still win a game without that. Don't get me wrong. But it makes it a hell of a lot easier on you when you have a, you know, when your running attack is working and you've taken up a whole field throughout the course of a game with your running, with your running attack. It makes it easier on Rudolph, as you said, with play action or whatever it might be. And let's let's be honest here. I think I think the offensive line in the beginning of the year was getting some flack. They weren't playing their best football by any means, and we all seem to think that this line is very very good. And we said on our Saturday show a couple weeks ago, it's time you prove it. And I think since we've said that, you know, against the Chargers, they played good. They granted. played well against the Chargers. Not not a good not a good defensive line. A little beat up. Right. You but don't, you don't have Melvin Ingram in there that's right. causing havoc. Right. 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 But. Uh, Still had Bosa. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still There's formidable. No, they don't have slouches over Right. Yeah. So they've played well, and I think that's going to be the key moving forward is that offensive line being more consistent. And we never really have this conversation about the offensive line um, because they've been so good over the last few years. Um, but this year they hadn't played to their full capability. But I think that Chargers game was a wake-up call, was a call to action, I think, for the Steelers. And, again, that's a credit to Mike Tomlin getting his guys ready to go. And, if that offensive line continues to, to play like they did against L.A., it's not going to happen every week. But if they ha- show flashes like that, this running attack could be really, really potent, especially now that you have a, a, a firm number two. You can see it in Benny Snell. And the run blocking is really the part that they've struggled with the yeah. most, I think. And you don't know if that's a combination of James Conner struggling to find the hole because you saw what Benny Snell did against the Chargers. He was electric right. in between and he had the tackles. Run through, exactly. Man. And – Maybe that's just, you know, they're getting better, though, as the year yeah. goes on. But the one thing that the line's really done well all year, I think, is pass protection. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's been sacks, but a lot of them are Mason Rudolph holding on to the football sure. for too long, as young quarterbacks Quarter- right, will right. tend to do. But a really good job at keeping the quarterback upright. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the main reasons why Ben signed his extension was because he felt so comfortable playing behind sure. this offensive line. And, he even said that as long as Pouncey's Pounce still here, yeah. here, I'm good. I'm coming back and playing. So you're seeing that carry over to Rudolph and, and Hodges too where they're going to do a good job of protecting their yeah. their QB. And the only time that Rudolph really has gotten into trouble is he's out onto the ball for too long. I mean, the Earl right. Thomas hit, great play by Rudolph because you had to improvise there. No sure. one's open downfield. But you can't expect a line to block for that long, no. especially when it's a DB that decides to break and come in and, and take your quarterback's head off right. because the play's kind of broken down. Right, and I think that's the biggest thing for uh, Rudolph is that he has, for the most part, stayed upright this year, and that's right. got to be a confidence boost for a young quarterback. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I've never played quarterback a day in my life, but I couldn't imagine being thrust into a situation, and let's say the Steelers' O-line wasn't any good and, and Rudolph's getting hit play after play. That's a that's going to kill your confidence as a quarterback. You see that with young quarterbacks all right. across the league. Right. Think about Josh Rosen last year sure. with the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, I think that his career is basically ruined because of what happened to him last year. You go back a couple years with Deshaun Kaiser when the Browns were yeah. terrible. I mean, oh, Deshaun Kaiser. So, Deshaun so Kaiser had talent. Yeah. But yeah. not talent to start right away, especially under an offensive line that like was that. Bad, and right. So you, you, it kills young quarterbacks when your line is. Forcing them to improvise, forcing them to extend get plays, hit into the yeah. ground a lot, yeah, and you don't see that with the Steelers. No, and that's a great, that's great. And obviously, Rudolph has done a nice job when the pa- pocket has collapsed. He's gotten much better as the year has gone on with with getting out of it. I mean, you and I have said this a lot, but his best play as a pro was his last play on the field uh, when he got hurt. That was his best play as a pro. He looked like a young Ben, and I keep saying that, but it's true. And 
again, that, that's just a testament to that O-line and pass blocking is that they know behind them is a, is a second-string guy. Let's not make his job any harder than it needs to be. Let's, let's keep him upright and let's let him you know, make the reads downfield and then he can do whatever he needs to do. But we got to do our job first. And for them, I'm sure that's got to be the, the plan. I'm sure that was the plan when they knew Ru- Rudolph was taking over is, well, we got to make his job easier. And, and I, th- with, I think they've done that. With Hodges, zero sacks, zero it's quarterback hits. Even more so, so there. He, protecting young guys right. and making sure that they're not getting their world absolutely rocked because you know they're not ready for that. One quick thing on Rudolph, though, before we move on here. This is going to sound, and Adam Crowley actually said this earlier in this week, and it kind of got me by a little bit of surprise, mm. but it's true. You want to see him get hit, right? You want to yeah. see him, and maybe not so much for your own sake, but if you're Mason Rudolph, you got to think, I want to get hit. Yeah. I want to take a hit again and feel like it's football. Right. Feel like I can bounce back from getting hit from a very I mean, large human being. Being, un- being unconscious for I, a couple I, minutes. You've right. heard Ben say throughout his whole career that, you know, he doesn't really get warmed up until he gets put right, on the ground. And right, he's right, like, right. okay, I'm playing football now. Right. And I, I have to think that Mason Rudolph, he needs to feel that, okay, I'm going to get hit. It's football, but I can bounce back. It's right. not every single hit's not going to be as devastating as that one. So I know it's kind of violent and, and ugly to say, but – yeah, I think but, right. both as a fan's perspective and sitting in Mason's shoes, you, you want to get your bell rung a little bit. Yeah, you want just just to feel like you're back just in. Just to get game. back in it, right, right, right. And obviously, he's not getting hit at practice. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, That's even my point. It, so. Right. So even more so, get you know, get yourself back acclimated and and albeit I don't know how much he'll get hit against Miami, but moving forward, I think you're right. I think it is going to be key for him to come back from that concussion and be like, okay. Yeah, I got rocked. Yeah, you know what happened happened, but I'm okay. You know, I can I can take another hit and we can keep we can keep going forward. Now I'm not saying that the Steelers' offensive line don't protect him, and I know that's not what you're saying either. But he does need to get hit again just to let him know that he's back. You know, and he's he's ready to go. Devin Bush is I'm having not. a hell of a rookie season. When we come back, we're gonna get a lot into what he's been able to do in his first NFL campaign. He's Kelton Gersky. I'm Tom Opperman filling in for Euler and Motes right here on Steelers Blitz. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Played in all six games for the Steelers. He started in five of them, and without a doubt in my mind, he is the front runner for Defensive Rookie of the Year, not just on the Steelers, but in the entire NFL. It's Devin Bush, the rookie linebacker out of Michigan, and the Steelers traded up for this guy in the 2019 NFL Draft, and the Steelers really never do that. Right. But they take him with a top 10 overall pick, and boy, has he played like oh. he. He's making the case that he could have been the number five overall pick. Yeah, Devin White was the linebacker that went off the board before him in the top five. And he's not really playing that. He's much not playing either. that much. So you start to wonder, at least in the early on, that the Steelers were got a little lucky there with the Bucks passing on Bush and going yeah. with the other Devin because Bush has been two. It's been maybe the best player on the defense. Watts right in that conversation, but Bush is not too far behind no. those two as far as the impact he's yeah. had. Yeah, he's been great, and I think he might be. <laughs> he, I mean, I know it's kind of weird to say at number ten, he's like a steal, the steal of the draft. But 
you're right. You made the point that he's playing like the number five overall pick instead of the you know number what ten pick, and that's only five five spots. But you you get my drift here. He's a guy that that Steeler defense desperately desperately needed. He they, wasn't the first of his position to be taken off the board. Right. So that, I think that's what you're trying to get. Right. At, that's my that's point. That's how it's a steal elite. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And he is that guy. Like he they haven't had a guy like this since Ryan Shazier. And to be completely honest with you, with the pace that he's on, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch here, but he could be better than Ryan Shazier. I mean, he's already on a, on a pace to, I mean, he's going to shatter everything that Ryan Shazier did his rookie year. Obviously, you know, we'll see how that transition goes year to year. But at this point, man, you have to be, I mean, you're anything. I mean, how can you be anything but happy? With, with what you've gotten from Bush. I mean, and it has been, I think it's been above and beyond anything we could have expected from him as well. Leighton Vander Esch, Eric Weddle, Shaq Thompson, Landon Collins. I mean, these are all names that are where Devin Bush is sandwiched between them as right. far as total tackles in the entire NFL. And those are some very famous, very good NFL players there. I mean, Leighton Vander Esch is considered oh. one of the best linebackers in football, and Devin Bush has more total tackles yeah. than he does. I mean, you mentioned he's like Shazier, mm-hmm. but again, like even Shazier as a rookie wasn't thrown into wasn't the like fire this. as much as Devin Bush was, right. and you don't expect rookies to thrive when they're not, thrown not like this when they're thrusted in a role like right. this. But I mean, this guy already is oh. a guy that you'd say I'm comfortable with him starting for five years, even if he doesn't get any better from what he's playing right, right now. But you know and expect him to just continue to grow every year in. When he enters his prime, I mean, you're, you're talking Luke Keekley, You're talking Bobby yeah. Wagner. Like, that's the kind of linebacker that you're hoping he can become based sure. on what you're seeing so far. Definitely, definitely. And he's been – I mean, he has been great. And I think you said it right before we came on. He's got six turnovers by himself. Four fumble recoveries. Four fumble recoveries and two picks. I, I Now, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't know if anybody in the NFL has six turnovers by themselves. Uh, that is – unbelievable i mean he might be leading he might be uh he might have more turnovers himself than some teams in the nfl do right now to be honest i mean we're only in week seven he's averaging just under a turnover a game that's impressive i don't know if there is anybody in the league that's close to him in that category and we talked about this i don't remember if it was yesterday or or when it was but he's the defensive rookie player of the year right now right i mean i don't think there's a question at this stage in the game. Now, granted, there's some other good defensive rookies. You know, the, the Bosa kid from, uh, from with the Niners, who we saw already. Probably his main competition right now. Yeah. But uh, he's not playing it. You're right. Savage is another good cor- – I think he's with the Jets, right? Or I can't remember where Savage is. But regardless, good safety. Those are the only two guys of competition. And he's going to blow away their numbers at the end of the year. He's on pace to have like 135 tackles. And uh, someone, I forget who it was, but brought up this point. You know, the – interception that Devin Bush had against the Ravens at the time everybody says oh it wasn't really an interception the ball right. kind of on the ground and then against the Chargers you know how crazy that play was where he scoops the ball up then he kind of runs around a little bit and then gets in the end zone at the end of the year no one's going to remember how those plays right, went they're right, just right, going right. to see interception and a fumble return for a touchdown right. on his stat line and you were saying you can't imagine that there's guys he's forced six turnovers on his own not force them, but he's, re- but he's, he's, he's come away with yeah. six turnovers. 
And just looking quickly through the stats, his four fumble recoveries is the most in the NFL. So the next best is start. It has three. Right. And then the league leader in interceptions is Devin McCourty, and he has four. So Devin Bush has half of what the league leader has in interceptions yeah. on the year. So it's the playmaker and the guy that has the the nose for the football because again he's not the one forcing the fumbles no but not he's always right. always right there to yeah. scoop them up and something that you've seen from him twice now that's really encouraging is when the ball is on the other team's side of the field they teach you as a defensive player try to scoop that thing mm-hmm. up and move it down the field and he's done that twice, twice and he's made big plays one of them being a touchdown and he almost scored on another one I, too exactly he was pushed out at the one yard mm-hmm. line when the ball's on your side of the field, you got to fall on that football because mm-hmm. you just want to get possession back and rob the other team from scoring. Right. But to be able to see him have the savvy because the fumbles are happening deep within the other team's territory, to not just fall on it and send a pedestrian Steelers offense out on the field to try to finish the job, he's got a nose for the end zone in those situations, and, and he's athletic enough because you see a lot of guys try to scoop the ball up on defense. Their hands are not that great, so they're gonna it's gonna they're gonna keep fumbling the ball around, and you might lose out on a sure. turnover. But he, it's like he's scooping a baby off that guy. Right. It's, it's effortless with yeah. him to just scoop it up, and he's he, gone. He is an athlete. And uh, the one thing I want to say is that he's so smart. Like, that play that he scooped that fumble and returned it for a touchdown, I, I mentioned this on Monday when we, when we filled in here, but I want to say it again. I don't know if – I want he knew what was going on, but I think he coaxed in, uh, the, the Chargers and everybody else into thinking that this ball is incomplete. He kind of ran in, like, with his arms out. Like, he was kind of nonchalant about it. And then I think he just was doing that to, like, set it up and be like, all right, I can just pick this ball up and run. And it's funny, on Tuesday night when Terrell Edmonds and uh, Craig Wolfley do their chalk talk on, on DVE, Terrell kind of said that. You know, uh, Wolf asked him, like, he's like, do you think Terrell, or do you think that uh, Devin knew what he was doing there? Like, did he have that intention, like, to kind of fake out the, the, the Chargers? And I was like, yeah, I think he did. You know, he's like, we watched it back on tape, and you could see him go in with his arms out, like it's incomplete. Then all of a sudden, he just picks it up and runs with it. That's a smart. That is a smart football play. And even if you were dumb and thought it was incomplete, <laughs> and then skipped it up and ran in, well, you, in smart. film session, you just say, yeah, I did it on purpose. Are you right. kidding me? You right. See how smart I am out there? Right. No, but I get what you're saying. He's a very heady player. Smart. And the athleticism on that play because it's not a scoop and just run right into the end zone. He had to cut back on the field a little right. bit, and then he had to make a diving play into yeah. the end zone. And even against the Seahawks, the one mm. fumble that he almost took back that he got yeah. pushed out of bounds, that was a play where he didn't know what was going on. He ran and he ran backwards a little backwards, bit. Yeah. But then he still has the athletic ability to recover from that and almost take it into the house for a touchdown. Right. So this guy's very deadly once he forces the turnover. And – Got hands, so yeah. you got. I know that interception against the Ravens was, you know, yeah. whatever. But the sure. one against the Chargers, ball tipped straight up in the air. I got it. Yeah, the, yeah. Good hands from a linebacker, and I expect him to make a couple more oh. plays. I bet he has a couple more interceptions I, before I the agree. season's all over. And, and that that pick he had against Baltimore, we we keep talking about his athleticism. Only one of the top athletes in the world, and let's be honest, that anybody who plays in the NFL is one of the top athletes in the world. Only the top percent of those guys can make that that interception that he made. You can say whether it was a catch or not. But he got beat on in coverage, and then the ball was in the air off of the receiver's hands, had the wherewithal in midair to catch it and tuck it. I mean, that that is not an easy play by any stretch. And he made it look effortless. And that's the one thing I think we've seen a lot from Bush this year is every play he goes out there is like, wow, 
that he looks he he's unbelievable. He, everything he does looks effortless. I have a, a really good friend that doesn't really watch the NFL. He played football all his life, played in college, but like doesn't have a team in the NFL. He just watches football to watch football. And we were sitting there watching the game. I can't. I think it was two, a couple weeks ago. And he looked at me after that Devin Bush interception against Baltimore, and he goes, "Dude." That kid's unbelievable. He was like, that dude is – he's going to be really, really, really good one day. And I was like, oh, dude, he's amazing. Like, you heard he's it here so first, good. Kellen's friend. <laughs> stamp of approval, Devin Bush, into but, the Hall of Fame. But my point is, like, there's a guy that, you know, really doesn't follow the NFL, and he's like, wow, He just sees the natural ability to yes. play the game of football. Yeah. And he's going to be a leader in this defense for years to come with T.J. Watt by his side, with Minka Fitzpatrick in the secondary – you're not just getting a defense full of playmakers, but with Minka, a lot of the things you hear is how yeah. smart he is. T.J. Watt obviously plays the game very smart. Right. Devin Bush now, you said it a lot this segment, Kellen. He's a very cerebral player. Yes. He, he plays a heady brand of football. You couple those three guys together, not only on their playmaking ability, but on their, their understanding of the game of football mm. and how to run a defense – my God, that's that's three pillars to build off of for the next three or four years that this Steelers defense can really start to kick it into gear. Yeah, and if Tua comes back healthy, I mean, oh. good good lord. Like, yeah, I mean, good luck, good luck. It, there's just potential that. everywhere on sure. this defense, and you got a guy like Bush that's right at the center of the rebuild. Yeah, and what a great thing too that he's getting all these minutes and he's he's getting all this playing time and he's doing so well with it because. I would just even be happy if he was average with yeah, all the playing right, games because right. you're thinking, man, for a rookie, he's playing a full NFL season workload. He, he's going to be miles ahead of, oh. of everybody when he, in his second oh, year yeah. than where he should be. Like a Devin White on Tampa Bay. He's yeah. going to be miles ahead, and he already is. Right. But the fact that he's doing so well and making so many plays as a rookie is just – you don't see it very often. And when you do see it, you know, you got to stand up and, uh, yeah. and, and when pay you do attention. See it, when you do see it, you know you have something special. Right, and the, the whole league, he came out on Sunday Night Football. because oh, it was a coming out party. Exactly. Sure. I mean, scores a touchdown right off the bat, so everybody's still watching that game. And it's because, a national scale. Right, and it's so early on in the game that that NFL Rookie of the Year campaign really got some extra boost. For sure. I mean, my goodness. He put – I mean, I think I said it on Monday, and I'll say it again. He might be my favorite player to watch this year so far. Yeah. He d him especially from a, dis a defensive standpoint. Yeah, him yeah, or Watt. He's, yeah, Watt. Well, who I mean, on the offense would you really say has been the – you know what I mean? Yeah, like, right, 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 definitely. There hasn't really been anybody on the offense that, like, you can really hang your hat on. Like, wow, that guy's been great. Exactly. Devin – there's three guys on the defensive side of the ball that have just been great. It's been Bush, it's been Watt, and it's been Tuitt. Now yeah. you're without Tuitt, but – just for the fact that he has been on that pace and he has been one of the best players on this defense, it's above and beyond, I think, anything that the Steelers could have hoped for out of this guy. Thanks to Euler and Motes for letting us sit in for them a couple days this week. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Kellen and I will be back tomorrow morning bright and early at 8 a.m. for our usual gig of Steelers Saturday. Thanks to Jacob, the producer over there, making sure we keep everything on the air. Most important part of every broadcast right. is a good producer, and Jacob was the best. For Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. Thanks for listening to another edition of Steelers Blitz right here on SNR.